Okay, so this is the last one, right? Um, as we're doing this peer review, we're focused, we're listening. As we're doing this peer review, it's important that you remember a couple things, okay? You're probably, unless you have another type of like writing specific humanities class, you're probably never ever gonna have a formalized peer review process that a teacher walks you through like this again, right? So it's really important to remember that as tiresome and upsetting as these peer reviews are sometimes, it's really important to remember what an incredible tool they are, right? Because essentially through these peer reviews, I've ensured your success even if you're a terrible writer, which for some of you that will never change and I love you dearly, but it'll never change, right? But it's really important to find your people in college, right? Find people that you trust and verify their transcripts before you trust them, you know what I'm saying? It's just a, just a, just a, just a suggestion. But find people that you can go through this process with. So just because this is your last formal peer review doesn't mean it should be your last peer review. It's just now that you're in the driver's seat. You don't have me to micromanage and scaffold everything for you anymore, right? But everything that I've taught you to do and every step that I've forced you through, remember all that, was a way for me to ensure your success, right? Almost everyone in this room has an A in this class, right? That's bonkers, considering all the assignments and all the work, but that's because I've ensured your success through these scaffolded assignments, right? It's really important to remember that you now have to go and create that for yourself, right? Just because you're a better writer now doesn't mean that you can skate through, right? You still have to go through all these steps. You might be able to go through the steps faster, and with a little less micromanaging handholding, but the steps are there for a reason. Every good writer gets their paper looked at by somebody and not just a cursory glance, like the person you have peer review your paper should have the assignment description and rubric in front of them, right? You should step through every single requirement of the assignment together and trade that with somebody. So rule number one, when you go to college for every single class, read the syllabus, memorize it, know where your wiggle room is. That's rule number one right? Because it's all a game and you got to learn how to play it well. That's it, right? But number two, find the nerdiest person in the class. Look for the person who sits in the front and brought way too many writing utensils. That's your clue. I'm telling you, that's the one, right? Look for them, be their friend, and get a peer review situation going with them. That's the key to success in college, okay? So as we go through the peer review process today, imagine that it's just you and the person whose paper you have, you're going through this together and just pretend for a little bit that instead of me walking you through it, it's the, your mind and your learning process walking you through this peer review process. So far so good? Okay, with that being said, let's first take a look at this rubric for this assignment. It's a little bit different uh, from the previous research paper assignments because it's not separated, we're on the green one, because it's not separated by skill, it's separated by section, right? That's because it's assumed that you know how to break down the skills within each section. But essentially, if they followed the outline for the assignment that I gave them, they should be all set. So take out the outline for the assignment, which is on the purple paper as well. Just turn to the outline side.
also in college, anytime a teacher gives you a resource, they 100% expect you to not think for yourself, but to just use what they gave you, right? They wouldn't go through the time and trouble, especially a college professor. They will not go through the time and trouble unless they expect you to directly use it, okay? So this is not the time, and grad school is the time, but, but your undergrad is not the time for you to like be a free thinker for most classes, right? It's the time for you to do what's expected, figure out what the teacher wants, and do it as fast as possible. That's how you get an A, right? It's very little about learning, I gotta be honest with you about that. That's, that's facts, won't stop that. So with that being said, let's take a look at this rubric. First, we're gonna take a look at the mechanics, the writing mechanics and style. Remember, mechanics and style are two different things. And if you're, you have a non-Englishy person grading your paper, they're gonna grade these two things together even though they're completely different skills, right? So that's why I'm putting it together here so you get a feel for how that feels, right? Remember, style is what makes your writing appropriate for the audience. What makes your writing interesting, relatable, makes it convincing, that's all style stuff, right? And mechanics is just grammar, right? So mechanics, writing, mechanics and style, we're gonna take a look at that as we move through the grading the paper, so always keep your eye out for it. The requirement is virtually no errors related to grammar, punctuation, or spelling are present. Virtually no errors are evident related to organization, transition language, focus, syntax, annotated verbs, vague pronouns, or clear and concise writing. It's clear that the student has carefully proofread and revised their work, okay? So keep an eye out for that as you're grading. And then let's move to the APA citation and formatting. So again, remember that you might have somebody grading your paper who doesn't have extensive background in APA or MLA or whatever they assigned. So you gotta err on the side of meticulousness until you figure out what this professor is. You might find out that they don't really care that much and you can lighten up later on throughout the course, right? But first and foremost, be as meticulous as possible. Plus, the first time you submit something is the time where the professor decides whether or not you're gonna be a good student, whether or not you're worth their time, right? So if you can establish a good reputation for yourself when the first few submissions, they possibly will let a lot of things slide down the road. So that's a real quick secret too. Like if, and I, I try to work against it cognitively, but if I know that somebody is a great student, I probably will read their paper less carefully. If they have seeded the benefit of the doubt in my mind, I'll probably let a lot of things go, right? So never underestimate the power of a good first impression, especially in a submission like this in a college setting. So far so good? Okay, um, so we're looking at APA, so we're gonna take a look at the title page, top right-hand corner, should be a page number there. Make sure that the page numbers increase by one on every page. We got our uh, title page information, make sure their title is centered, bolded, and in standardized capitalization, meaning every important word is capitalized. An extra space and then the each line as it's supposed to be, take a look at the date format. I had Ty, Ty turned in his graduation announcement to me and on the, on the envelope. Oh, I think I sent you guys a thing, right? It's, it's an APA title page, which I thought was delightful. Um, okay, so uh, double check their title page, move through, double check that their page numbers are appropriate, their line spacing is correct, so make sure, double check after each paragraph that they don't have any extra space after that paragraph. We still have people who are not removing that. 
Remember, you have to go against almost every pre-setting in your word processor, basically. Move through to the Works Cited page. They should have the words Works and Cited at the very top of the page with no extra spaces. Oops, I'm sorry, I'm in 10th grade mode. I'm doing MLA for 10th grade really hard, so I'm focused. References, the word References at the top of the page, and it's bolded <laughs> and centered, 12-point Times New Roman. It's hard because I just did a peer review with them the previous period in MLA. It's rough out there, you guys. It's rough for my brain. Um, so they should have four citations. They should be alphabetized. There should be no extra spaces between those citations. Double check all of the stuff that you know for the formatting. This has already been peer reviewed, so it should be perfect. Just keep your eye out for glaring mistakes that they got to fix. So far, so good. So one thing you got to do is make sure that uh, they haven't committed accidental plagiarism just by omitting in-text citations. So what I need for you to do is get out your first highlighter and we're going to highlight every in-text citation including the punctuation before it and the punctuation right after it. And then we're going to double check that there's a citation that correlates to every works cited document. Also, as you're looking for in-text citations, this is the time where I also need you to check that every time an author is mentioned, a date go, comes right after that author. So highlight it all. And scan every line, make sure you're not missing anything. Using an expo marker, Andrew. Yeah. Listen, it's not the worst thing in the world. I lost my stationery. You can go borrow mine. Yeah. So they say the author's name in the beginning. And the quote with the author's name in the year with no page number? I don't think there were page numbers. There but they, if they said the author's name, then the date has to go right after it. If you say the author's name in the sentence, you're automatically defaulting to the narrative citation, which is the crop dusting kind, right? right? So then do they need to put it at the end as well? No. Okay. Nope. But keep in mind, and this is the hard thing about it, you have to really quickly guess whether or not the professor you're working with is smart or dumb with this stuff, right? Not everybody can be good at everything. So if your professor has an expertise in a different field, they might not have an expertise in this. So they might look at the end of a quote for a citation even though you've already technically done a narrative citation. So just get a feel for it. Default to the most careful possible. And then once you get a feel for whether or not your professor is meticulous or not or knows what they're doing then you can make decisions from there on out and one thing I've seen a lot with students tell me 
is that they get marked down for doing stuff correctly, but the teacher just didn't know about the correct stuff. So dispute it. Always dispute it. Don't let it go. Be respectful, but always dispute it. Don't spend this much time getting good at this to like let it go the second the next chance you get, right? Other questions about in-text citations? So the other APA thing that we got to look at is those heading titles, right? So their heading titles could be anything from like writing or research. Um, it could be writing in the biomedical field, writing in whatever field, right? Doesn't matter what they title it, it just can't be heading number one or heading number two. It has to be formatted correctly, meaning bolded and fully flush with the left hand margin, no extra spaces above or below. Standardized capitalization, meaning the first letter in each important word is capitalized so double check those one thing that I've seen some people still do is after you have you should have the full title of your paper on page two so the full title of your paper on the top on page two bolded and centered no extra spaces above or below so it should appear in two places on your title page and on the page two but don't put introduction after that right so it shouldn't be the title of your paper and then introduction right below it. We know it's an introduction. By default, it's an introduction because it's the first paragraph right below the full title, right? So never have to double dip on in that way. And the other last thing we got to focus on in terms of APA is did they appropriately introduce their sources? So remember, you have to ask yourself, did I complete an annotated bibliography for this paper or not, right? So if you didn't complete an annotated bib, you got to spend a little minute and depending on what your professor asked you to do, I just asked you to have a little phrase in terms of credibility, right? But your professor might want you to go through several different specific points of credibility as you introduce your source. Just this is where the assignment description comes into play, right? But if the professor does not specify always default to at least mentioning one or two brief points of credibility right it'll just make you look better that's all i'm saying plus it's what's proper so when you introduce a source when you haven't written an annotated bibliography you need to have these three basic components the full name of the author used the first time or authors use the first time unless there's three or more authors in which case you can use the full name of the first author followed by at all right next the full title of the source not the outlet not the container, but the full title of the article itself. Remember, in the paper, it needs to be in standardized capitalization and follow either the rules for quotation marks or italicization, which means if it's in quotation marks, it's because it's a part of a larger whole or a larger publication. And if it's italicized, it means it is the larger publication, right? So we have the full name of the author or authors, the title of the publication, and for this paper, since we didn't do an annotated bibliography, at least one point of credibility. So get out three different highlighters. It doesn't matter what color those are, but I want you to highlight for each of the four sources in this paper, 
I want you to highlight those three things separately so the person with their paper can understand that they've done all three components of source introduction. So again, in the first color, you're highlighting the author's full name. In the second color, you follow your heart on the color, right? In the second color, you're going to highlight the title of the source, not the outlet. It's okay if they do the title of the source and the outlet. Like if you want to say it's this time management article from the New York Times, that's fine. But the article matters more, the article title matters more than the outlet. So always default to the title, the article title. But it's okay to have both. So the first color is the author name, the second color is the title, and the third color is at least one tiny point of credibility. It could be as simple as saying in their scholarly journal article, that's a point of credibility. Um, it could be, you know, so-and-so who holds a PhD in this topic wrote an article titled blah, 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 right? So you should have three different colors and we're highlighting the three different components of a, of a formal source introduction. If they put more components in, it's not wrong at all, especially if the type of publication is relevant to what they're talking about. That your roommates who haven't taken this class are gonna need you, right? Like they will ask for help with MLA and APA. I've heard it more than anything else that you're gonna end up being a tutor, right? So choose your friends wisely. <laughs> Only tutor people that uh, reciprocate in kind. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't have takers in your life in college. You just can't. You know what I mean? But there will be, take your APA and MLA stuff with you. You'll, you'll need it. And if you get a job at the, the writing center for your college, you'll need the stuff. If you go to, there's a few colleges in Utah that <laughs> their writing centers use my stuff. <laughs> so if you see stuff that you recognize, it's because of, you get it. My students then go work at the writing center use the stuff I gave, it's a whole thing. You get it, it's a circle of life, like a, the lion, nobody, okay. Um, so we've now officially looked at all the APA stuff, okay? So give them a score on APA. At this point, I'm not trying to be mean, but there is no excuse for APA mistakes, none, right? So if they even have one minor APA mistake, it's approaching proficiency, it's not proficient. Yes, okay. and but there's an ampersand there too. And wait, Student. comma yes and the ampersand. It's okay. both. Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, so you're going to grade them on your green rubric. You're just going to trade your rubric pages. Hey. Where is it? Um, they should have used the publication date or the copyright date of the website. Got to have some date. And if there's no date, then there's a protocol in APA for no date, and it's N, ND in parentheses. So either way, it's wrong. You know what I mean? Um, okay, are we ready? No? Okay. Okay, so... Let's go up and look at, yes? Uh, when you introduce the author's full name for the first 
Yes. If there's three or more authors, if there's two authors, then both authors' names are used. Yeah? Okay. So let's look at the overall introduction and listen to what it has to have. Overall introduction of the paper includes an introduction that gives a clear overview of the student's chosen profession. See outline. So it really does just need to have every point on the outline. I held up the wrong paper. This purple outline, right? Um, and what skills are required for said profession? A thesis included, a thesis included that answers the big question. What's the big question for this assignment? What research and writing skills are valuable in your future profession, right? So first and foremost, get out a new color of highlighter and highlight the answer to that question. That's their thesis, find it. If you can't find it, they did it wrong, right? So highlight the answer to the question, what research and writing skills are required in your future profession? Try to find the most definitive answer to that. It might be more than one sentence, and that's fine. And then give them a message on whether or not you think their thesis is clear, concise, and effective at answering that question. Does it answer that question? Because if it doesn't do that, we're wasting our time with whatever is there. So then with a new color highlighter, just put them in rotation. Follow your heart on which color, but just a new rotation, right? Highlight where they answer this. What profession do you plan to go into after college? Has to be specific. Even if they don't know, they were supposed to choose one and run with it. It's okay if it's written in first person. I mean my stuff. It's okay if it's not. Either way is okay. If it's not clear, you gotta let them know. In a new color highlighter, then highlight the answer to the following three questions. Why have you chosen this future profession? What draws you to this type of work? And what personal skills and interests do you have that will help you excel in your chosen field? So we're talking about personal skills, not writing and research skills, right? So why have you chosen this profession? What draws you to this type of work? And what personal skills and interests do you have that will help you excel in this line of work? If you don't feel that they've answered those questions well, give them a note because they got it. Right? Again, this is also on the purple outline page. And the reason where the, the rubric defers to the outline is because the outline, uh, the assignment description for this assignment is very specific. And Weber State is very proud of their signature assignment system, so they check it. Like that, they're really proud of it, right? So I've been really careful to make sure that you're complying with all the, the assignment descriptions for the signature assignment.
And so this uh, outline part D under the introduction, it could have been answered with the thesis. So it's okay if they don't have a second part that kind of restates their thesis, but bullet point D says, give a brief overview of how research and writing skills that you learned in this class will be valuable in your chosen profession field and what specific duties and responsibilities for your future profession require you to fulfill. Kind of the same question, what specific writing and research skills are especially important in your future profession? So C and D are kind of the same thing. They all kind of sort of count as the thesis. So as long as they're answering all those, you're good. So there's really those four bullet points on the outline. And so for the rubric, you're answering whether or not they, number if they just addressed it, but they didn't do an awesome job at it, it's proficient if they covered everything. Don't give them an exemplary unless it's clear that they have done an exemplary job of answering those questions on that outline. So again, the paper includes an introduction that gives a clear overview of the student's chosen profession and what skills are required for said profession. A thesis included, a thesis included that answers the big question. So after having read their introduction, give them a score on that rubric. And remember, I'm not taking this score. It doesn't do you any good to be too nice, right? At least they'll know where they got to improve and be more specific as time goes on. As dumb as this paper is, I mean, I love this paper. Um, as dumb as it is, it's like 10% of their grade. It's the same exact weight as research paper one. Right? So let's make sure that it's awesome. How about that? Um, okay, so now we're going to go through and look at the overall conclusion. Go back to the overall conclusion. and listen to what is required for that overall conclusion. The paper includes a conclusion that restates the thesis and provides insightful big picture explanations regarding how the selected skills are relevant to their chosen profession and in life outside the workplace, right? So they gotta get that big picture in there outside the world of their profession. Why does it matter that there are people in the world who have these skills in general, right? What kind of society will we have? What kind of society won't we have if, if these skills are not propagated, perpetuated, proliferated? Ooh, that was fun. Alliteration and thesaurus all in one, you guys. Listen, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. Um, okay, uh, so the outline asks for these things for the conclusion. It asks for restate a rephrased version of your thesis. So in their conclusion, get a new highlighter color and highlight where they've restated a rephrased version of their original thesis, and then give them feedback on whether or not they've done it well, effectively, whether or not they've done it at all. So you're highlighting their restated, yet rephrased version of their thesis. And then we're looking at the big picture here. So some people still do weird stuff with the big picture where they just state something with no backup. Like they'll say something like, if society doesn't have people in it who have research skills, it'd be a very bad place. Cool. How and why though? You know what I mean? 
So if they're doing big picture stuff, they have to go into detail as to why that is. We call it the umbrella theory, and when I teach AP Lit, it's the umbrella thing, right? How would you explain it to somebody who has no concept of that? So how would you explain it to an alien? It's obvious to some people that when it's raining outside, you take an umbrella. But what if somebody has no context for what rain is, right? So if you explain it to the alien saying that if you don't take an umbrella, your head's going to get wet. And if your head gets wet, you have a possibility of being sick. And if you get sick, you could have to take antibiotics. And then if you take too many antibiotics, you become resistant to antibiotics and you could die from like something really simple like strep throat. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why we take an umbrella. So even if it seems obvious and stupid to you, the explanation of how you get from research skills to society be good, bad place, right? you still have to explain it to somebody as if they had no context for that information. Or another good way to think about it is explain it to someone as if they were super stupid, but do it at a college writing level, right? So if they don't have enough description and explanation for how they got to that big picture, let them know because people are still struggling with that big picture. You can't just in a college level paper make a big sweeping proclamation like the world's going to be a bad place without backing it up with logical reasoning, right? So how are the skills you have identified valuable, valuable not only to yourself but to anyone in your chosen profession? How are the skills you have identified valuable in other fields and professions, right? So that's a really great big picture. Just because research and writing are important in your profession you're not alone and they're important in every profession, right? How are the skills you have identified valuable beyond the workplace, like in your home life, in your relationships, leisure, community life, right? You got to know how to buy a car or who to figure out who to vote for, right? That's still research and writing skills, right? And the big picture, how would our overall society be improved if more people had the skills you had identified in this paper? What are the benefits of these skills in a big picture sense? Another good thing to ask yourself is, you know that this is a required class for literally every single major, no exceptions, right? Why? That's, that's an option right there to help you understand why a college-educated person has to have these skills regardless of what their specialty is. Why? And it's been that way since the beginning of time. English is the only class that's required all four years of high school. Why? Right? You might not like it, but they are the, the skills that keep, every, keep all the other skills together. So once you've identified their big picture in their conclusion, whether or not they have a successful conclusion, take a look at the purple page and make sure that they've covered each of those little bullet points there. And once you're done the conclusion is essentially where people struggle the most. So spend time thinking about their conclusion. This would be a great time for people to get good at it. Because if you can write a good conclusion, a lot of times your professor is only going to skim through the middle of your paper, but they'll, write, they'll read the beginning and the end. If you can ace a conclusion, listen, right? Like I'm just telling you, life hacks for college, and that's one of them. Make sure the end of your paper is a mic drop situation. Always, so what, who cares, big picture, always.
And speaking of so what, who cares, big picture, if you know you're not going to use your they say, I say textbook, sometimes people secretly don't take this class because the costs are too high for their family to afford. In that case, I always offer them a textbook. So if you aren't going to use yours, I'll put it to good use. Yep. Okay. Uh, so with that being said, we have two headings to look at. Each of those headings follows the same exact process, same exact outline. So what I'm going to do is go over the first heading with you, and then you're going to go over the second heading yourself, really putting yourself in that mindset of, could I do this without Hernandez, right? Could I go through a paper and ensure that it, <laughs> yes, you can, yes, you can, you can. And if not, I mean, these, these podcast episodes are still on online if you need them right or if you just miss me terribly which I assume all of you will do um, so but but I really want you to think like could I ensure that my paper complies with the assignment description without the scaffolding of Hernandez and I'm gonna be honest with you the first two years of college you're not gonna write many complex things it's gonna feel like a breeze for the first two years but because this class is the first two years of English in college right so you're gonna like backslide a lot when it comes to the requirements in the first 100 and 1000 and 2000 level courses right but junior and senior year of college things are going to ramp up a lot and that's when you need to pull back pull back from what you learned here right but it's not that you're just good at english it's that you've already taken the first two basic classes of english in college right so don't, I've had other people say that, I've had people say that they have to like look at other people's papers in like their, you know, 1010 science class and it's real bad what they have to deal with, right? But don't get so complacent and think you're so good at writing that you don't have to try because I worry those first two years of college are really going to make you feel like you've overshot it <laughs> with your English learning and then those, that junior and senior year are going to get, they're going to kick in again pretty hard so be ready for that yeah okay so uh, we're gonna go through the first heading the heading one ourselves together and then you are gonna follow that same process and go through heading number two making sure and remembering that this paper is 10% of this person's grade 10% let's make sure that they can earn the highest score possible because remember that grade replacement policy if you got a lower score third term and a higher grade fourth term, I will change your third term grade to the higher grade, right? So let's give the person whose paper's in front of you a chance to do just that, raise their GPA. So far so good? Okay, so with that being said, we're gonna go to heading number one. It's probably gonna be research skills because that's the order I put it in on the outline, but if you don't find that heading number one is research skills, go to the heading that is research skills. Are we there? Okay, so the rubric asks, and it's pretty straightforward, it just says the research heading is worth 30 points, right? The student has selected and insightfully explained relevant research skills for this section C outline. The student is also appropriately quoted from two sources to support their assertions in this heading. The selected quotes are thoroughly explained and sandwiched. We got a quote sandwich every quote, so the quote sandwich thingamajig is up there just in case you forgot. And then the connections between the two sources are examined thoroughly. On the last paper, by far, the thing that people got marked down the most on were those connections paragraph. They were real, real, real emaciated. They're hungry, right? Y'all did not do 
go be you weren't thorough for the most part on those connections paragraphs so for this one let's make sure that we pay a lot of attention to those connections paragraphs and make sure that their connections are specific and detailed and elaborated upon so they can really score well in that they, remember the connections is where the higher level thinking comes in for this class right and then the heading also includes a clear and concise conclusion here's another issue i see a lot of people trying to combine their connections paragraph with their conclusions paragraph I've have, I saw one person do it well for research paper two. The rest, it made both components score low. So separate those skills. If, if a teacher gives you separate skills to look for, make them different paragraphs. Make it clear that you're giving attention to each of those skills and criterion, criterion? separately, yes. Stupid Latin. Um, okay, so are we ready now? Let's go to your uh, heading number one, or wh wh whichever one they use as their research heading, it can be in either order, is fine. Highlight with your highlighter, what is the most valuable research skill you have learned in this class? Be detailed in your description of your chosen skill. So you're highlighting where they say, what is the most valuable research skill? Make sure they're detailed. And they could do this in the same sentence. They also need to answer, how will the research skill you identified help you excel in your chosen profession? Be specific, right? So if they said the most valuable research skill was finding credible sources, they then also have to answer, why would finding credible sources be helpful to you in your chosen profession? So with those two bullet points, just highlight those in the same color. Just making sure that they have that. And if you can't find it, if it's not clear, let them know. This is the time for them to clarify that. So we've already checked here that they formally introduced the author and the title of the source in correct APA format. Now in a new color of highlighter for that source, highlight where they give a brief summary of the source. I mean brief like one sentence, right? This source focuses on the importance of this research skill in the biomedical field. That's a great summary, just a real brief overview summary. And it's okay if that summary happens as the context for the introduction for a quote. It's okay if the summary happens after the quote as part of the explanation for the source. It doesn't matter where the brief summary happens, it just needs to be there somewhere. And then in a new color of highlighter, you're gonna highlight the quote that they used from that source or both sources in the heading. Highlight the quote, ask yourself a couple things about the quote. Is it the right length, right? Is it too long? If not, that, if it is, that that's a problem. It should feel no more than 
three, two cumulative lines. It can be on three lines, but two lines cumulatively. If it's a little more than that, it's not the end of the world, but it's, that's just a rule of thumb. Um, does the quote make sense for the point that they're trying to make? And is it punctuated correctly? For their quote, they also can't start one of their sentences with somebody else's words. They need to have an introductory phrase that introduces the quote. So if you look at the quote sandwich over there, make sure they have an introductory phrase that introduces the quote. They could have talked about the context or the person who said it earlier in a, f a few sentences ago, but all the components have to be there. Yeah. Um, that's right. When you don't capitalize it is when you're incorporating it into the syntax of your own sentence, in which case there's no comma, and it's a lowercase beginning. Um, okay, so then we're doing the bottom bun of the quote, which is now, the quote sandwich, which is now, explain why your quote supports your ideas, claims, arguments in this heading. One of the biggest mistakes I see writers coming in in 1010 doing is they'll drop a quote and walk away from it and just move on. That is... Number one, it's dumb, but number two, it's really, really inappropriate in the academic world, right? You don't get to just use someone else's idea and move on. You have to piggyback off their idea and connect it to your ideas. That's how we make using somebody else's ideas appropriate. It's the whole point. It's they say and I say. They say is the quote. I say is the bottom bun of the quote sandwich, right? So they need to answer, explain why your quote supports your ideas, claims, and arguments in this heading. So then what I'm going to leave you to do next is I'm going to have you do the second quote from Source 3.3, the second research quote, the same as what we just did. But I want you to look at the connections paragraph. Um, so kind of skip maybe the second or third paragraph in that heading. And just move down to the connections paragraph. Because again, I can't stress enough, this is where people really struggle. I still, I still have people struggling with the concept of connection, right? And I still have people saying that the sources connect, but not examining how they connect. So those are two different things. So first you can say that they do connect, right? But then you gotta say how, what specific points? And focus on the subpoints of the sources, not the overall thesis. Will they agree on their overall thesis that research is good in biomedical field? <laughs> right? That's a given, or you wouldn't have chosen those two sources for this heading. Right? So we're talking about how the sources agree and disagree on specific points. Agree and disagree on specific points. So for this paper, they need to have at least two connections or contrasts. And if it were me looking at this assignment description and a teacher gave it to me, I would find a connection and a contrast because they put it right there. So again, I really can't stress enough, a lot of colleges, let me help you, professor, find my A. So if they put something on there, I'm going to make sure I do it exactly as they've outlined it and in that order. I'm going to do it well as well, but also if they ask me to have it there or if they put it on there as an option, I'm going to cover it. 
And then I'm also going to separate it into its own paragraph because I want them to be able to find it easily. I don't want them to have to hunt for my A. And I know that sounds formulaic and stuff, but your undergrad is not where you're going to use your beautiful mind. Your undergrad is just the basics. Are you a college-educated person, right? Wait to be brilliant in your grad school. So again, a lot of people confuse the connections with the wrap-up for the heading. Remember, when you were taught to look at an academic source, right? They're so long, you just can't read it all. But what you did know to do was read the first paragraph or the last paragraph of each heading. And if you understood that, then you move on. If you didn't understand it, then you read the middle. Somebody should be able to do the same with your paper. Read the first paragraph and the last paragraph of your heading and know exactly what it was about. So it does feel like you're repeating yourself a little bit because the, the conclusion paragraph is you just kind of saying what you just said. The trick is to say what you just said with making, without making it look like you're saying what you just said. So half of college level writing is the art of rephrasing stuff. I didn't say it was fun, but it is what it is. So once you've checked that their, their conclusion and their connections, go back and double check the second source within heading number one. Double check that they've done everything on the outline for the second source. And then give them a score for their research heading. They got to have all the components that we just went over to score well. If they're missing any of them or they didn't do any of them completely or totally, it's got to be proficient or approaching proficiency. If they have glaring omissions, like they are missing big things, then it's approaching proficiency, right? And then once you're done with giving them a score for the research heading, go through that whole process that we just went through with the research heading with the writing skills heading be specific and as you go through I want you to pay close attention to conventions mechanics style make sure they have transition words and phrases at the beginning of every paragraph make sure after every quote they're transit using a transition phrase to transition from the quote into their commentary on the quote we're looking for annotative verbs they should never say the author says the author thinks the author believes none of it right all of those should be replaced with beautiful annotative verbs Spend some time. We have 25 minutes left in class today. You've got to spend some time ensuring that this person gets a good score on this paper because you would hope that the person who has your paper is doing the same for you. Double check that they have all of the bullet points, right? At this point in the year, it's so easy to just miss something, not because you were being lazy, but because your brain is done. It's finished, right? So be this person's eyes and ears. Make sure they're not missing any, anything massive. Once you're done, I need you to actually talk to the person like with their face to their face. Help them understand what they have to fix and change so they can get a full big fat A on this paper. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to shorten that with ellipses.